Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ability, the fact that we can even do this. Uh, the fact that this ever works is uh, a, a testament to the time that we live in and, and the wonders that uh, really come. We think that we did it, but we didn't do we didn't do it with anything that you didn't give us to start with. Uh, this all comes from you, and, uh, and so we thank you uh, for for giving people the the ability to to make these things happen. Because the the truth is that you are the truth, and that you are the source of truth, and uh, and nothing exists without you. So thank you for what you've given us. Open our hearts to hear from your word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have a question that runs through our society, and, and, and we all know at, at a basic level, we, all, we, we, we understand the difference between truth and a lie. And yet, sometimes we, we have a hard time seeing what truth is. What is truth is a pretty simple question on its face. It, if it's true, you ought to be able to prove it. Uh, if I tell you an obvious lie, you'll spot it right away. But what if I tell you something that is harder to prove or harder to disprove? Now, you're being asked to believe something without evidence. Other factors then are going to determine whether or not you believe me or not. If you're new to the world, maybe you just accept it at face value. But when you grow up a little bit, you realize it's not that easy. If you don't know, if you may discount it just because you don't know, you don't you know who I am, or the, if if you know who I am, have I ever lied to you before? Do you have any reason to think that I know what I'm talking about? Might be as honest as the day is long, but still could be wrong. Now, what if I tell you something? that you don't want to be true. Well, you can simply refuse to believe it. Uh, you can try to poke holes in it, prove it wrong. You can, again, question whether I actually know what I'm talking about or not. Or you might even question my integrity. But does that change the truth? Now, obviously, there are some truths that change on a regular basis. Simple facts change all the time. Now, right now, I'm standing behind the pulpit and talking to you. A couple hours from now, hopefully, I'll be sitting uh, in the chair in the room with my beloved drinking a cup of coffee. And I won't be here anymore. The truth about my location has changed. And that's not a big deal. 
we can we can change some truth. Uh, we can develop our knowledge, come to know things we didn't know before. We can gain new skills. We can uh, develop our character. We can learn that maybe lying is not a bad, bad, uh, not a good thing, uh, and and start to uh, start to be more honest. We can lose weight. We can change jobs. We change all kinds of things about truth, but some truth does not ever change. Now, as much as we dream about uh, time machines and going back in history, reality is those, those are probably not ever going to exist. And the facts of history don't change. Our, our assessment of those facts may change. What we know may change. Uh, we might uh, obscure them because we don't like what they say. We might we'd prefer our version of the truth. Somebody said history is always written by the victors. Something else that doesn't change your biology. I'm going to stop right there. But God is a truth that will not change. But these questions are not new. Now we just recycle them and, and give them new coverings ever so often. But they've been with us throughout history. And today we will look at an exchange where, where Jesus is on trial and he is conversing with, with Pilate. And he illustrates this, or Pilate really, this illustrates this struggle that we have between what is true and what we want to be true. He knows that Jesus is innocent. And he keeps looking for a way, though, to have it both ways. In the end, he can't wash his hands of what he's about to do, though he tries. We're in John chapter 18 this week, and I usually try not to repeat myself quite so uh, quite so quickly, but uh, it just so happens that we have uh, we covered this before we started into our study of John, and it's almost exactly the same passage. Uh, but it never hurts to have the truth repeated and and get it into our heads, right? So Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. He's been arrested. He has uh, been interrogated by the father-in-law of the high priest, Annas, and then by Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. They have trumped up charges against him, and now they have sent him to Pilate. By this time, he's already been abused. But Jesus, while he's there on trial before the Sanhedrin, 
make sure that they are going to follow through and do what they say that they're going to do, or do what they want to do, I should say, uh, by making this one true statement, which of course they, uh, because they don't accept who he is, uh, take as the, the, the very thing with which they're going to literally crucify him. But they all say, but in uh, going to Luke 23:70, and they all said, "Are you the Son of God?" Then, and he said to them, "Yes, I am." And they knew exactly what he was saying. He'd been saying it to them all along in John 8:58. He said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And in 1030, he said, I and the Father are one. They knew what he was saying. And while all of this is going on, we have the, the, the sort of secondary storyline of Peter. And, uh, and his denials. And we talked about that at least last week. And, and how Peter would eventually be restored. But they take him to Pilate with the intent that he be crucified. And it's interesting. And here they are. They are, they're, Trying Jesus, they're convicting Jesus contrary to God's law. And yet, when they take Jesus, when they send Jesus to Pilate, they will not go into this, the praetorium, the, the uh, place there where Pilate will render his judgment because they don't want to defile themselves for the Passover. So Pilate comes out. And he wants to know what their uh, what their reason is for bringing Jesus to him. And I'm not going to read this part, but if you open up to chapter 18, you'll see it in uh, the verses 28 through 33 there, 32 there. That uh, I'm just kind of going over. But in verse 30, as he after he's asked them, well, what what's he done? What are you bringing him here for? And they say, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. In other words, it don't matter. Just do it. But because they they want Rome to kill him, thus fulfilling Jesus' words about how he was going to die. And we we see that in, in 31 and 32 there. At this point, Seemingly after this conversation that uh, has just taken place, but uh, before the sentencing, or I should say before the, t- the uh, somewhere between the conversation that we're about to, ch- to read and then the, uh, the sentencing, somewhere in there, he sends him off to Herod, and Luke tells us about that, and then Herod sends him back. And each along the way, each time he changes hands, he's abused further by the people to the point that you can't even tell what he looks like anymore. 
Isaiah 52.14 tells us that. So Pilate now comes back to Jesus for one more interrogation. And John gives us some details here that uh, the others haven't given us yet. So starting in verse 33. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this from yourself or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What did you do? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So, you are a king? Jesus answered, You yourself said that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So they cried out again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate's question, kind of a strange question, are you the king of the Jews? Now, of course, Pilate has a purpose in in this question. If if Jesus simply affirms, yes, I am, then then he has grounds because he's he's a rebel at that point. There's there's no king but Caesar, and if if he's claiming himself to be king, He is outside the Roman authority, and Pilate has grounds. But Jesus, who the scriptures tell us has been largely silent up to this point, we have a few things that he said, but over most of this this trial, he has not defended himself. But now he speaks. And as he speaks, he denies Pilate the justification even as he answers him in the affirmative. He, he does, according to the other Gospels, essentially say, and even as this one, the way that it reads, yeah, I am. But here we learn the rest of the conversation. He is no immediate threat to Rome. And he makes it clear by what he says. 
And then he also said, but then before before he gets to that, he says, essentially, why do you ask? Now, the uh, some of the con- commentators have suggested that he is asking if Pilate has seen any evidence that leads him to believe that he's leading a rebellion. He's forcing Pilate to own the decision that he's about to make. And Pilate, of course, as we know from the others, will try to wash his hands of it, even as he does it. The Pilate asks him, am I a Jew? It's a contemptuous denial of anything to do uh, with, with the Jews. He's basically saying, I'm not, and, and, you know, why would you think otherwise? But he's really, again, fishing for a cause. The underlying presumption of, of rebellion. Your own people, your own people who hate us Romans have sent you, have, have sent you to me, so you must have done something. Jesus then acknowledges his kingship in verse 36, but it's not a kingdom of this world. He said, if, if, if I was trying to lead a rebellion, wouldn't my people be fighting? But my people aren't fighting because it's not about this world. And again, Pilate is confronted With Jesus' innocence. And then Jesus essentially says, my kingdom is based on truth. He is the truth, as he said uh, back in 14.6. Pilate, though, is not really interested in the truth. He dismisses it much in the same way that many of us today with the, do with the question, what is truth? How do you claim to know the truth? What if my truth is different than your truth? If I can, if we can pretend that there is no truth, then anything is permissible. Anything is justifiable. If nothing's true, Anything you want to do. Pilate, though, knows the truth. He knows that Jesus is innocent. He has enough of a conscience left to at least wrestle with a little bit what he's, what he's about to do. But in the end, he prefers his version of the truth, which is actually a lie. And so, he crucified the truth. But guess what? The truth doesn't die so easily. So he comes out to the, to the, to the crowd and they ask for Barabbas. Now, 
John doesn't give us a lot of detail on Brevis. We get a little bit from other places. The fact is, you know, they are they're trying Jesus essentially for, for insurrection at this point. And Barabbas is an actual insurrectionist. He has not only led uh, he's not only led a rebellion, he committed murder while he was doing it. And that uh, we find that out from Mark 15 and also from Luke 23. And his name means son of the father. So Jesus took the punishment that should have been his. The true son of the father. And in every possible way throughout the story of Jesus' life, throughout the story really of the entire word of God, we see over and over again the story of redemption. Jesus took what we deserve. We live today in Pilate's world. You know, in the Roman Empire, although they had laws and they had uh, they had codes that they lived by, when it came down to it, might makes right. We're stronger, we rule. It was very much a society dominated by those who had the the means to to do so. He who uh, like the you know the perverted version of the golden rule: he who has the gold makes the rules. Truth is bent to serve our own purposes. It is twisted into lies by just leaving little things out. And even now, we have outright lies, and it seems that no one is able to challenge them. Often we deceive ourselves and actually believe the lies. There are some lies that we're believing today that I think are among the most destructive to our society and to to our future. One of those is that anything consenting adults want to do together is okay. And now that's being extended even to children. Now some that are openly stating that, uh, that this is their goal. That's what we want. Anything you want to call a family is a family. Children don't need the traditional parent pair to thrive. Folks, the research says that's just not true. I can't, and I want to rephrase that just a little bit. They may overcome the odds. I can point to many a story of of people who have. Some of our, our greatest leaders have overcome those odds. But when you read their stories, one of the things that you'll find is that they often had a mentor who would step in. I'm thinking particularly of fathers at this uh, when I'm talking about this. But in most of these stories, you will find 
somebody who stepped into that place, stepped into that role and helped them. Dads especially are, are considered unnecessary. Well, unless they happen to be gay, but that's a whole other question topic. Another lie that is destroying our society now is that you can choose your sex. You know, both sex and race are biological characteristics. Somehow you can choose your sex, but you can't choose your race. And woe be to anyone who disagrees. And now we have men bullying women in out of their out of their titles in sports because they're claiming to be women. If you are white, you're a racist, even if you don't have a racist bone in your body. Which is a very racist thing to say, by the way. And if you're black and you don't agree with this, then you're either a racist or you hate yourself. A destructive lie that's destroying our society. Fourth, all religion or no religion is just as good. The largest growing in the surveys that are taken, the largest uh, uh, segment of, of uh, belief in the uh, in our population are those who are, we we label them nuns, which I always thought was kind of a funny word to use because you know it's spelled N O N E S, but uh, sounds like something else. But those those who uh, have chosen no no religion, don't believe the, either they're atheists or they just don't don't believe in anything. They have been indoctrinated by our schools because that's what we're that's what we're teaching in our schools. And we have not done a good job at defending at teaching them how to do, how to defend themselves, how to understand how to defend our faith. And so when they're faced with this teaching, it's all too easy for them to be dissuaded from the truth. And the fifth lie is that anybody who says the things that I've just said is, is involved in hate instead of love. And maybe that's what you think hearing me. But I tell you something. The way that God designed us, the things that the, the, the things that the Bible defines for us and, and, and guardrails that He puts in our lives are not because He doesn't love it, they are because He does love us. And for us to to stand up to the world and say, No, this is not the way, is not because we want to ruin your life, not because we uh, we hate you, but because we love you. And we want for you the same thing that God wants for you. A, a healthy, happy life, a happy relationship. A 
we would we would spare you the pain and the suffering and the disheartening things that, that happen when you don't do it God's way. That's not hate, folks. It's love. Please hear the love. Now, I sometimes we sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we act bad. Sometimes sometimes we don't act loving. But if we're doing this right, then we're acting in love to say these things. Because God loves you. Because your heavenly Father wants the best for you. Just like, hopefully, you had at least parent, one parent here on earth or, or perhaps another loved one in your life that took over that, that job that, that looked after you and said, no, don't do that. Or yes, do do that. Why? Because they wanted to look out for you because they loved you. Your heavenly Father loves you. They're going to make mistakes. They did make mistakes. I know that. Because we all do. But God loves you infinitely more than they ever could. And He never makes a mistake. And boy, I could just keep going. I'm going to have to rein myself in here because there's so much more I'd like to say about that. But let's address then the second thing, that, or the, the second point that I want to make about truth. And it's one that we've made many times in the past, but it bears repeating. The idea that somehow truth is relative. That your truth and my truth can be different. Now, there are things that we can have different beliefs about what is true and what isn't true, but that doesn't change what is true. In fact, it's a self-defeating statement. It's a statement that can't be true. Because if there is no truth, then the statement that there is no truth can't be true. Well, you're in a logical impossibility now. That doesn't work. What's true for you and not for me, well... Okay, now some things, there are some things that are true for me and not for you. I'm pretty sure that Leanne doesn't have a gray hair on her head. I've got no hair on my head. <laughs> Those are true facts. And that's okay. They're objective. You can observe them. But... What if I believe if, you know, the truth? The truth that I believe something, though, it can be true that I believe it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the belief is true. If I believe I can fly and go out here and jump off a roof, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's not going to be pretty, is it? Because it's not true. Doesn't matter how much I believe it. It's not true. There are there are a lot of things that we don't know. But that doesn't mean that there's no truth to be had. It just means that we don't know it. And I hope that we all are able to recognize. Yeah, there are some things that we just don't know. And, and there, there's another group of things that we might think we know that we actually have wrong, and that's okay. As long as we're able to hear and able to, and, and there are some things that we're never going to agree on. I'm going to continue to think what I think is true, and you're going to continue to think what you think is true. 
And what we need to decide, though, is how much does it matter? Is it an important truth? We have so much division in our churches because we have split over this or that item of, of theology. When really, if we could just focus on the things that we all believe to be true, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you believe that he is the only way. You believe that he died for your sins and rose again on the third day. You believe that his blood purchased your salvation. Those are things we can all agree on. We agree that he said, go to all the world and make disciples. So guess what? Let's get to it. We can all work together on those things. There's no, we, we can argue about baptism and speaking in tongues and how we do our worship and all that silly stuff some other day. Right now, let's get to work on the things that really matter. The truth is there's a God who loves, so loved the world that he died that he gave his only son that, that the world should not perish but have everlasting life and that is our message. Let's be about that. And all this other stuff, yeah, I believe some things are true and other things are not true about that other stuff and, and, and I'm happy to let you know what I think. But when it comes to working together with the body to do the things that really matter, we need to put that aside. In the case of our eternal souls, some things do matter quite a lot. Because we are Barabbas. And we don't know Barabbas ever understood what was done for him. We know that he walked free that day. We don't know if he ever understood the, the full impact of what happened. But what we do know is that he was guilty and that Jesus paid the price. Now, we may not have committed sins like his, but we're all guilty. And he paid for us, too. All we need to do is acknowledge that and allow him to take over that which he has bought with his precious blood. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you that you have allowed us to know the truth. That you have, over centuries, put together this, this wonderful collection of writings that we have that we call your word or the Bible. Uh, that we can know the truth. That the truth can set us free. You have set us free with what you did that day. And we thank you. Help us to spread the good news. In Jesus' name, amen.